Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Let's Talk About You podcast. I'm your host, Jose Chino Palacios, and before we get started, I just want to give a big thank you to all of you who listened to episode one. I saw so much love and support. Everyone was sharing, uh, posting my podcast everywhere. You guys don't know how much that means to me. Uh, Big moments. I really appreciate it, and I hope that other than just supporting me, you actually enjoyed the show and you continue to listen to it. Uh, I got a special one coming up for you, but like I said before, let's get started. Just thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I wanna I wanna be able to continue to put out these shows. A lot of people ask me, "Hey Chino, when's the next episode coming up?" And the fact of the matter is, I would love to be able to put out one to two episodes a week. You know, that's that would be dope. But the reality is, I don't do this full time. I work full time. Uh, I gotta pay the bills, and this isn't doing that just yet. So it may take me a while to put out the next episode. You know, sometimes it could be a week. Sometimes it could be two. Like I said, I wish I can do this full time, but I just can't. It's not the reality. Also, NBA playoffs are going on, so <laughs> it's a little bit of a distraction. You know, four months without basketball, I got to watch. But let's get into this next episode. And just, guys, this one's a really, really special one. I really want everyone just to, to take the time to listen to it and and just reflect on everything that's going on right now, okay? Let's get on with it. Oh, that's real good. <laughs> All right, everybody. And without further ado, we got a very special guest today. He's going to talk about, you know, his life growing up and talk about the things that are going on in society today. Everybody, this is Peter Adjiman. What's up, Pete? What's going on, Chino? My guy, what's happening? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed. Can't complain. You know, doing well. I miss uh, everything going on right now. Quarantining? Quarantine is hard. It's hard. It's hard. Lori, Lori got us locked up, man. Yeah, this Auntie Lori. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't playing with us, man. She ain't playing she with not. Chicago. Her and them suits is not playing, bro. You haven't gotten to the point where you're just so tired of staying away from everyone. You just get, fuck it. I'm going to go do this and see what happens. Bro, you know what's crazy? Uh, I've never been a super runner. But this quarantine, bro, I've been running like crazy just to get out the house and just to like get some exercise and be outdoors. And at the lakefront, I'm doing like four miles, five miles, no three way. miles. Yeah, bro. Damn, dog. I'm on the opposite I track. <laughs> I'm on the couch, bro. I'm playing like 2K. <laughs> that, was, that was me. That was me for like the yeah. first three months, bro. I was kicking my ass. Yeah, well, enjoy while you can, bro, before it gets cold. Bro, my legs are sore as shit, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Peter and I went to college together. We were in the uh, IIT together for three years. Um, the reason I, I really like Peter is just because when I first started school, he was one of the first guys I started talking to. And we started talking basketball instantly, just talking sports. And I was like, okay, this guy's real, man. Because when you go to engineering school, you, you meet some people who are just straight up about the books, man. They'll just, they don't want to talk about nothing else, man. <laughs> Pete, Pete was a real, real Chicagoan, man. He was talking yeah. smack. He was talking sports. And I was like, all right, dog, I got to talk to him, you know? <laughs> and then uh, we've been cool ever since, man. We've gotten to a couple of basketball games together and uh, we hung out through college. I mean, we don't see each other as often, but you know, that's life. We obviously saw each other because we're in school all the time, but now we started right. working and here we are, man. 
So Pete, just uh, give us a little background about you. Uh, who were who are you? Who were you growing up? Uh, where are you from? All that stuff. Yep. Uh, well, my name is Peter Adjaman. I'm the son of Ghanaian immigrants. And for those who don't know, Ghana is in West Africa, right next to Nigeria. Um, so I was born here, uh, lived out there for about four to five years, came back to the States when I was seven and uh, been here since. Grew up on Uptown in Chicago's North Side. Um, and then when I made the transition to high school, my family moved out south. So we lived on 95th, the last stop on the red line. So I have like an identity of both the north side and the south side kind of combined. Went to high school out here, St. Ignatius, uh, Catholic school. Parents are super religious. So Oh, you went to Catholic school, dude? Yeah, bro. I went to Catholic I elementary did not school. Know that. Yeah, I went to Catholic elementary school. I went to CPS for two years and my grades dropped and my dad was like, nah. We're going to put you back in Catholic right, school. Right. Uh, finished out Catholic school in elementary and then went to St. Ignatius for four years. And uh, went to school in Pittsburgh at Carnegie for two years. Things didn't work out. Came back home. Uh, went to the city colleges. And when I say the city colleges, basically all of them. Harold Washington, fucking Truman, Wright. Y'all can find me at right, bro. I was there too. Yeah, I was there, bro. Imagine coming from the south side all the way to right. It was it was crazy. Dude, I'm uh, from the north side and I had to go all the way to IIT. <laughs> bro, with no car. No car, no car. No car. No car. Until me? I got jumped. I told that story at some point, not today's episode. <laughs> but I got jumped on the green line, bro. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm buying a car. <laughs> yeah. That was my last year. That, that I oh, to me in on that podcast. Oh, yeah. I definitely yeah, yeah. I'll that. talk about that some other time. I got to talk sure. about someone else uh, getting jumped. And I'll tell my story, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, getting jumped in Chicago is a rite of passage. Right. right. Now you, now you from here. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It gives you a reality check. But uh, after city colleges, uh, transferred to IIT, chose to do mechanical engineering. I obviously met you, my FA, my homie Russ that did civil and a whole bunch of people at the school and graduated with you and we're working men now. So Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a journey. It's been, been a, a journey. journey right? Worth it, worth it. Yep, definitely, definitely. Uh, do you remember your life outside of the U.S. when you said you were growing up? Outside oh, of the hell yeah, bro. Yes. Yeah? yeah, of course. Of course. Hell what yeah. do you remember about it? The heat. Hot as a bitch. It's hot. Like, Africa is a different type of heat. I remember my grandma a lot. Uh, obviously, you know, my mom being here, my grandma was basically raising me out there. So I remember being my grandma. She was basically my first mother figure, you know? Gotcha. And uh, my grandpa out there had a bunch of family. And in Africa, man, which I think you probably know in Guatemala, like the problems here are way different than the problems there. Like the right. problems there, they don't even, they don't really penetrate the mind. People are just happy to like exist. You know what I'm saying? And here it's like, damn, I got to get ready for work. I got to do this. You know, my baby mom's just tripping. I got to work out. But in Africa, it's like a, steady easy people eat together it's always laughing and smiling so i think that's like one of my biggest takeaways from there you can't yeah, you can't replace that can't. that's dope that's dope and yeah. then uh you came back at seven you said yeah i think so six or seven something like that was it a hard adjustment yeah man um i had an older brother and sister so you know they were already americanized like they basically with all the rap and 
you know, my sister had like the questions and my brother had these Jay-Z posters. I and, don't. Yeah. So we, I grew up in, in that time. And for me, I didn't really fit in per se. But the good thing for me was like, it was like I jumped in when I was in like the fourth grade or fifth grade. I think I came when I was in like first grade or second grade. So kids really didn't like notice accents. They were just kids being kids. So it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy, but it was different. I'm assuming your school is very diverse. Was it? Cause I know uh, when I was, oh, yeah. yeah, when I was in elementary oh. school, man, we were so diverse. And I think that was like, I don't know if you heard the last podcast, but I think that was something that's so dope about going to school in Chicago because we're a melting yeah. pot of so many different cultures, man. So I that's think it, it, it opens our eyes to like, we're all people, you know, we're all cool. Right. And, you know, as a kid, all you think about, these are my friends, you know, you don't worry about nothing else. These Color, are just, where you're from. Nothing. You're just trying that. to chill, bro. You're just trying exactly. to make people laugh at the lunchroom, have a good time. And I think that's, you know, that makes us, not makes us better, but it gives us a better opportunity than like some Southern states where I feel like you'd be all white or all, you know, one race. And then once that's they they meet someone of a culture different from theirs, they don't know how to react to it. So I, I think that's very important for us. So uh, what was high school Peter like? Man, bro, uh, I think in same as in college, like just cool with everybody. Just like the person that was like, just cool with everybody. That's what I always tell people. Like I just got along with people. Um, obviously super into books because my parents didn't play that shit. You know, though African, you know, we don't fuck around with that. So um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty good at school good in books you got um, good grades uh, yeah of course of course of course good grades you be on the streets <laughs> Woo, for real i remember uh, it's, it was so real bro like i remember so the high school i went to san ignatius like tuition i think at the time was like 10 grand obviously Damn. my friend, yeah it's like one of the real bougie like like private school man. yeah like did you have to wear yeah. like a coat or something a blazer nah. or something? <laughs> yeah. around wands and shit. Nah, <laughs> uh, it was like uh it, it literally looks like hogwarts like if you google pictures of st ignatius like the in, inside and outside like it looks like a castle they had like wooden staircases that like wound up and shit statues all over the place a big ass courtyard like a real real bougie uh beautiful school but i remember it was so real in high school that you know with the 10 grand stuff my dad i don't know if he couldn't pay or if they didn't like basically i was doing like the financial aid route so i had uh -huh. like scholarships and shit but it was so real one summer that my dad was like yo um i found out just that your school is letting kids work to pay off tuition. So this summer you're gonna work at the Get school. Get your ass a job. Bro, I'm in there changing light bulbs, bro. I'm in there fucking, we had to tear down a house uh, that these priests lived in. So I'm talking about like peeling off like wood off uh, the floor, uh, plywood, all type of shit like. And it wouldn't be pocket change. It'd be money that just goes towards your bro, I didn't tuition. See a, I didn't see a cent, bro. All I know my dad would be, Knock on the door, like, get your ass up. <laughs> Dad, it's Saturday. I don't give a fuck. Get exactly, your ass up, bro. bro. Exactly, It's for you. That shit, that shit humbled me, bro. I'm not going to lie. That shit, shit humbled me. It's an uh, investment in your future, man. That's actually pretty bro. cool, dude, like that your pops did something like that. Because not many parents would, would do that, but I think it, it builds character. You know, we got the old school parents. Yeah, man. man. That's cool. Yeah, man. they don't play. So, so uh, 
what what was it like though? Were you cool? You said you were cool with everybody. No no troubles. Um, no enemies, bro. No. I was like, was Catholic school a little funny? Like, did you guys t- talk religiously? I don't. I don't know if you're religious. Oh right? yeah, bro, bro. Of course. Yeah, I mean, we had, bro. We had mass. Like they made us go to mass. We had this thing called Ignatian Values Day. So like, it'll be mass, and then everybody are going to like their homerooms, and then they throw out a topic to talk about and shit, just to kind of like bond people. And then we had, uh, I think we had to take religion classes three years. I think three out of the four you had to. And then we had like Jesuit priests that would fucking teach us, teach classes and shit. Like it was a real like Catholic school experience for sure. Damn, I can't see myself in Catholic school, man. I feel like I'd be. This is different. (laughs) I think I'd be, because I was dumb in high school, man. I was dumb. When I tell you I was dumb, I was just doing dumb (laughs) shit, you know, trying to do anything to make people laugh and. And I feel like if I were imagining myself with my class in mass, I'd probably try to do something stupid to make people laugh, you know? And then, but, you, but you know what? It was a lot of people like that. Like, so Ignatius Catholic School didn't make it seem like you had to be like the cream of the crop. But there's a lot of people that, you know what I'm saying, that probably weren't the smartest, but just cool and could work their way around the room and shit like that. So it was, it was, it was good. It was a good experience. Sure. Yeah, you still keep in touch with people from there? Uh, not as much as I used to, man, because a lot of people I knew, like people I hung out with, ended up moving away. So it's like a select few of us still here. Um, people have kids now, jobs in different states, people are engaged and shit. So like every now and then we do like a reunion, but not as often as uh, it used to be. Are you at that point? Because I feel like I am. I see a lot of people like who I went to high school with, you know, getting married or having kids. Bro, and I'm, I'm just like, get on Facebook. I'm like, who's next? <laughs> who's <Right>. next? <laughs> but like before, it used to be like, oh shit, you know, like you were a little kind of scared, like, oh shit, this person's having a kid. Oh shit, yeah, you know. Facts. Now it's like you can't really be like that. You got to be like, oh, congratulations, because you got to realize I- I'm 25. You're like, oh, we're at a pretty good age right now. You know, I mean. Bro, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. At, people are starting to look at you now like, yo, when, uh, who are you talking to now? When is that baby Time's running up, bro. Out? Time's running out. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I'm chilling. Ain't no time running out for me. I'm chilling. That's good, man. That's good. Take your time. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, so what about, so you graduate high school and yep. then what made you choose the school that you chose? Um, so I took a college visit uh, through my scholarship program, uh, Link Unlimited. Shout out to Link. Uh, Link basically was a scholarship fund for African-American students that went to Catholic schools. Um, so they flew me and I think Damn, three crazy. other people. Yeah, they That's did. Cool. Shout out to Link, man. Link, Link, like, Link probably changed the trajectory of a lot of people, like, for sure. And they're still um, up and running today. But they flew us out there. I was in Pittsburgh. Uh, went to see Carnegie and Carnegie funny like campus wise is just like IT bro like yeah ain't a lot to, yeah ain't a lot to see like just a regular regular ass campus like buildings you go to class and then shit you come out uh a gym uh and yeah it was regular regular bro we were right next to um a Jewish community I think it was the neighborhood is called Squirrel Hill but yeah it was they flew us out there uh, I liked it. The guy that took me on a tour around the campus was black. So instantly I was like, okay, cool. Shout out to Cornell the same. Uh, <laughs> and then I was able to get a tuition scholarship out there, like full tuition. And basically cool. I just, yeah, I just had to That's pay for dope. room and board. So, you know, my parents, like, 
that was it. Like you take your ass to Pittsburgh and uh, yeah, for real, help me pack and everything. Mm -hmm. And what uh, made it an easier choice for me was that my brother was already at University of Pittsburgh. Like he was living in Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon and University of Pittsburgh is literally like a 10 minute walk. It's like one street, I think Forbes. You take Forbes, it's 10 minutes and it's University of Pittsburgh. So Gotcha. So you had some familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. That's Shout cool, out to man. my brother. Yep. And uh, you were there for two years? Two years. Yep. Yep. And then what happened? Man, what did happen? Shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, uh, I think, okay, I'm going to just be real. I think I prioritize a lot of my freedoms over education. So just me being away was like, like when I say the funnest year of my life, bro. The Taking advantage. Year, bro, the <laughs> funnest. You got to think like when I was in Pittsburgh, like Wiz Khalifa was just coming out. Like literally like, like he was already like, I guess locally recognized, but like, Black and yellow and shit, like I was there, like the Christian oh Orange God, black shit. And yellow. Bro, Mac Miller was out there. My freshman year, the Steelers went to the Super Bowl, I think. Damn, um, it must have been wild. Bro, it was great. And then imagine like a kid from Chicago whose whole life has been in Chicago, and then now you're somewhere completely different with all these freedoms. So I got my squad of homies, bro, all inner city kids, you know, because again, Carnegie is a lot like IT, so like, you had a bunch of like your Indian and Asian kids and your white kids and like the real studious people. And then like the group of friends I found were like the people that kind of shared the same background. So all came from inner cities, uh, people that play basketball or love basketball. We just clicked and I'm not lost my mind and my grades dropped. And I actually was the one that made the decision. I told my pops, I was like, yo, I don't think me being in Pittsburgh is really good for like my development. Like um, my grades are shitty. I think I was going through like a little depressive episode there. So I was like, yo, let me come home. And he was hesitant at first, but he eventually was like, okay, cool. Came back home and had to start over. Yeah, man. And the reason I ask you, I don't mean like to push you or anything, but oh, good, bro. I, I asked because like, you know, I have the same, practically the same story, similar story, man. Yeah. I went away to the university of Iowa. And dude, Oof. I did so Oof. shitty. I did so shitty, man. Like, like you said, fields, right, right, right. All the white people, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're showing me they they're wild, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I was there for a year, and and it wasn't working out for me, man. And I think I was at that point where you said you had a little depressive episode. I think I could relate to that because I was just at the point where I was just looking at myself in the mirror and be like, damn, I've never been this bad at school, and yep. I never felt this out of place Facts. and i'm just like damn but Facts. i had the the mentality of i'm gonna let my parents down i'm gonna let my parents down because i'm yeah i was the first one in our family to go to college you know Word, damn. my parents didn't go to college you know they grew up in guatemala they came to this country my dad came at like 18 he came twice man you know and he did he was like nah the same for me and then he went back home and realized that uh he, he was just it. really poor <laughs> you know he just yeah. said man there's so much poverty here no, I have to go back. I have to make something of myself. So he came back again, you know? Shout out and, to Pops, uh, man. Shout out to Pops, man. I got to have him yeah. on an episode, bro. Yeah, that'll uh, be, that'll be, that'll be cool. One. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was the first one. So when they got the idea that, well, when they found out that I was going away for college, you know, they were so proud of me. 
And so to be like, yeah, you know what? This ain't for me. Let me come home. I was nervous. You know, I was Bro, scared. I've but, been uh, there, man. That that yeah. talk is like, and it's not even just them. It's like uh, the people that's like, oh, you're going to this school? Oh, we expect for you to come back and be motherfucking Obama, basically. For real. Bro, my first, my first job, I, uh, when I came back, I was working at the movie theater. And there was this girl I went to high school with at Ignatius that ended up going to Carnegie, too. And I remember just working the concessions, and uh, I think it was like a summer break or something, and just seeing her coming to the movie theater. And she was like, oh, she's like, yeah, are you not in school anymore? I'm like, and I had to tell her, like, nah, like, I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working in. That moment, bro, was like a fucking, like, my stomach, like, I could just feel that shit drop, you know what I'm saying? But At least you got compared process. to Obama, bro. I got compared to George Lopez, no man. <laughs> <laughs> you got someone inspirational, bro. They, they're looking at me like a goofy. <laughs> so, uh, hey, that's my guy. <laughs> shout out George Lopez. You want to be on the podcast, That's my bro. guy. Help my boy out, man. One of the greatest comedians. Shout, yeah. shout out to George Lopez. So if anyone listening to this, you know, if you're in the process of choosing a college, just know that you don't, you don't got to go to way. You don't got to go to a big school. You know, you, you can start small. You know, community college saved my life, saved my career, to be honest. Because like you said, I had to come back and I had to start from scratch, start all over. And I couldn't get to any school, man, because my grades were bad. Like no yeah. school were accepting me. And I was like, fuck. So I had to start public, you know, start community college. And the thing I think that high schools do is they make it seem like it's a bad thing. You know, I feel like they Bro, you know, you can do better stigma. than I swear. They're like, you can do better than community college. And I'm like, dude, you literally for the first two years get taught the exact same classes. Exactly or about 90% less of the charges for, of the for, of the finance, I guess. For professors that basically are if just as smarter, if not smarter than university professors, and that, that system is so fucked up because, like you said, imagine how much money we could have saved, number one. Two, being able to just lock in and like because if you if if you go to community college, like you're not gonna be thrown into like yo, the parties and all that shit. Like you're gonna get like your first two years down and you're locked in. So if you do go to a big school, like you can't afford to fuck up. Like you're already you already built that kind of work ethic. Whereas like I throw your ass into college and now like and you never been out till like five in the morning before. You know what I'm saying? Partying or you're like, nah, I'm gonna just sleep through this class, fuck it, I don't need to go. You know what I'm saying? Just that mentality. And a lot of these high schools, they just I, I feel like they try to push you in that direction for their numbers. Like, just to say, like, oh, we had so-and-so go to Harvard, or we had so-and-so go to fucking Yale and shit, just for their statistics. To, so when they start selling the parents, be like, oh, yeah, uh, 40% of our kids went to, like, bro, like, they should be looking out for the kid first. And community colleges, to me, are just good, honestly. Right, man. They don't even think about, like, the mental uh, hit it might give to the kid or, you know, the putting them through, uh, like, right. financial instability and all that stuff, man. So yeah, man, we went to IIT at the end, and it was uh, it was a quiet school, not much going on. Let's be real, but it was a good time. I had a good time. We met some cool people, and I went there strictly for school. But you meet some good friends, right. and you find a way to through it. Because at the end of the day, we just wanted the degree, man. We just wanted that, we that piece of we paper did. to say that you did it. Okay? <laughs> Took some time, but we did it. Motherfuckers is not kicking it at school, bro. It'd be like, yo, you get the day done. I'm taking my my ass home. Right. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you were working, I was working, actually I worked on campus, so 
He was oh, like you were in class. the cafeteria, weren't you? Yeah, bro. Hey, most, shout out Peter, fresh, bro. You used to get me free food. Fresh, yeah, I was a fresh person, bro. I was in there wiping tables, serving food, working the dish room. And then after that, I worked, the, you know, the people at the desk attendants when you walk into the dorms. Uh-huh. So right after I was done with the cafeteria, I had to go straight to that, bro. So my days would end to like, I get to class at like 10 and then leave school at like 11. I wanted to say, then hop on a red line all the way back to the crib. So I'm back home, 11:45, knock out and just do the same shit the next Damn. day. Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. When you said that, bro, you just brought me a flashback. You used to tell the lady at the cashier to let me in because I didn't yeah. have a meal plan. You know they <laughs> fuck with me in there, man. They fuck with me, bro. You my, you my okay. guy. Okay, my brother, that was dope, yeah. man. Shout out to Peter. <laughs> You're my brother. Thanks, bro. man. Course, that was cool. Of course. So I want to get into pretty much what's going on in society today so we're gonna get a little more serious <laughs> but sure. um you know as and obviously you know uh, of all the police brutality that's going on especially to people of the african-american community and let's just call it what it is man it's an attack towards black people that's how i see it nice. and that's how i think everyone should see it and those who don't want to see that part of the problem okay we, we've seen this time and time and time and time and time again. You know, two years ago, I had you on my show to talk about this. Yeah. About, you know, how Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee for people for, um, because he just thought we weren't equal. You know, he said, I'm not going to stand for a flag that's supposed to symbolize justice when there is no justice in this country. You know, yep. right. And then you flash forward to now and you, you got the, the instance of Breonna Taylor. You know, we had the instance of George Floyd. Um, recently, Jacob Blake, um, and it's it's fucking depressing, man. And and my fear is at some point we're just gonna get numb to it, you know. Which is also yeah. why I think right now in society we're at a great place because of all the, you know, the marches and the the protests. You know, it hasn't died down, which is a good thing, you know. But my fear is to keep going on Twitter, seeing those things and getting numb to it, man. Just to, so I, I just want to hear what what you got to say about that, man. Man, bro, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, for me, this year, like, I remember when I got on Twitter and I seen the Ahmad Arbery, like, him basically oh getting God. chased, yeah, chasing gun down. I was, like, traumatic as fuck. And then uh, the George Floyd incident and then hearing about Breonna Taylor. And it's just, man, I was, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I was like depressed, like real, real life depressed. And not even on some like, you know, I was depressed for like a day, but that shit was like three, four weeks, bro. Cause it's just, it scares you, man. It scares you. Cause it's like, so being black, like as soon as I walk out the door of my crib, like I had to be cognizant of way more things than the average person. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? I, I got to be cognizant of fucking people trying to hurt me in my own community. I got to be cognizant of people outside of my community trying to hurt me. And you just don't know where the threats are coming from. So it's really hard for you to be like, okay and at ease with the world when you see all this shit happening. And to your point, like social media, like information flies so fast and people forget about shit so fast. So we are getting them to this stuff. Like, Laquan McDonald, who got gunned down um, by police officers in Chicago, uh, six got shot 16 times. Like that. Who needs to get shot that many times, man? Think about that, bro. I got I got friends whose parents go hunting, and you do that for like you're hunting something. You know what I'm saying? And 
and Jacob uh, Blake situation uh, seven times. Like, what's the point of having all of this protective gear? You have a fucking vest, a baton, a taser. Just numbers, for you to panic, bro, numbers. Two to one, and just for you to panic and pull out a gun and shoot a man seven times. And, bro, just being blackish, like, it, it, I think what hurts me the most is, like, there's a sector of the world that just doesn't care. I think that's the part that, like, to me is, like, oh, well, black on black crime, how come you guys don't uh, protest about black on black crime or this and that? Like, the conversation is a lot bigger than that. It's... Like, yeah, their crime could happen anywhere. You know what I'm saying? You put a bunch of people in a, in an area where resources are low. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, like, housing deficiency, lack of access to resources. Like, of course, that stuff is going to be a byproduct, no matter where in the world you are. So people trying to equate, like, the crime that happens with that, with, like, brutality and injustice and systematic racism like you have to understand like those two things aren't the same and again like just the fact people don't care to me is the part that hurts me the most sure obviously i'm not a i'm not a black man right but i do have a lot of people that i care about that are black for you for example you know and i'm also a minority you know and so i i do know what it's like to be judged but i don't feel like i get judged nowhere near as you probably do man and right. well, first of all, they think I'm Asian, bro. They be looking at me like this little Asian girl. So. <laughs> all the Hispanic ones, you know, all the Hispanic <laughs> the stereotypes, they don't they don't apply to me. Um <laughs> but uh second of all, man, it's just I, I don't know that fear. And that's yeah. that's that's sad, man. Because I, I all I can feel is sad, right? Like I just feel sad about the situation. But you not only feel sad, but you also feel scared, man. I I can assume you feel scared because like you said, Ahmad Arbery, bro, he was going for a jog. You told me right now that you'd be jogging four or five miles. That me? could happen to you, man. You know, you just you had no, it's like you had no right to go for a run. Like, what the fuck is that, man? Like, you feel so threatened that just like, the, the crazy thing is, bro, and I was telling my homie Sean this, uh, like, just having black skin, bro, like that, just visually to people was like, it can elicit such a response from people like either like fear or expectation or adoration. It's like, it's just like a quick trigger for people. And that, that's so crazy to me. Like it's just the color of your skin. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it can bring out so many emotions. Like even before you even hear me talk, just look at me, boom, you already have your picture painted it. And then you go from there. And then you hear me, hear me talk, you'd be like, oh, okay, he's one of the cool black people. Or, you know, it shouldn't be like that, bro, right. at all. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I remember a time where, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, where there were these two guys who, two black guys who were at Starbucks, bro. And they ordered some waters and they were sitting down because oh, they were going to have yeah. a business meeting, man. And the lady felt so scared that she had to call the police to get them kicked out. And I they were just like, why can't yeah. everyone else be here? And you felt threatened by us, man. That shit hurts, bro. Imagine you, you just me? order a drink. You order some water, right? You sat down and you're just waiting to meet some people, right? The business guys come later, white men, and they tell them, no, 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 they're here to meet us. And then, you know, obviously they let them go eventually. But like you had the whole police here, bro, for that. For Imagine that, how embarrassing and fucking scary that is, bro. Like you can't, like you said, you can't even live like. 
damn, can I live? Can I, can I, can I just sit down and chop it up with my homie without you thinking something like just because you're black? Yeah, man. And I think we're lucky that we live, like I said, in a city like Chicago where we're, I feel like we're more diverse and we're more open to things like this. Um, you know, I think we're more accepting, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen here, you know, because it does, it definitely does. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's sad. And like I said, it's just, it's just depressing, dude. And I, I don't know what that is because I don't know about you, but like, I guess for us as Hispanics, when we get pulled over, for example, right, and we, we talk to police officers, our, our fear is if our parents are undocumented to not to be afraid that they're going to shoot me or they're going to arrest me. But my fear is, hey, are they going to look up who I am and see who my parents are? And then I'll get my right. parents in trouble or my parents deported. You know, luckily, my parents are citizens now. But, you know, that that was the fear, you know, and I'm sure a lot of Hispanic kids go through that. But I don't think we ever fear getting shot, man. And that's fucking terrifying. Like, I don't know. Have you ever had, like, uh, an instance you talk to cops? I don't know. How do you feel about it? Like, how, man, how, where please? do I start, boy? You got, you got a, another three hours, man. I got. <laughs> and, I, and, like, I always tell people, like, this is how you know it's a problem. You know it's a problem when all your black friends all have a story. Like, whether it's with police or some sort of injustice or prejudice towards them. Like, there's a problem. I don't think there's probably, like, a few number of Black people that have never had an experience. But, like, I know just growing up in the inner city, like, for example, shout out to my my homie Adonis. I remember uh, I was dropping my homie Adonis off on 79th and Cottage Grove, right? So so I'm dropping him off. He's crossing the street and Cottage Grove is a pretty wide street. So I pull over us at night. I pull over. Um, he's crossing the street and I'm just waiting for him to make it to the other side before I drive off. You know what I'm saying? Just homie courtesy shit. And so I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right, bro, I'll see you. And there's this cop car that's driving the opposite way of traffic, right? It pulls up beside, beside me and he puts on his headlight and it just hits the inside of my car. But they don't say anything to me. They don't say a word, right? They just randomly. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking like, what the, like, what the fuck is going on? My homie Adonis uh, across the street, like, hey, you good, bro? I'm like, yeah, I'm straight. She's like, all right. So I start to drive off. As I'm driving off, uh, out of this like parking lot, an undercover police car just cuts me off, bro. Just shoots out, right? This cop gets out, fucking undercover police officer. Comes out yelling, hands on the wheel, hands on the wheel, all this shit. Bro, they're opening my door and shit. They're pulling me out the car. Um, like you just robbed the bank. Bro, bro, bro. And and it really, that's like the first time that shit's ever happened to me. So I'm not, I'm not even really, like I've heard the stories and shit, but, you know, I'm not really scared. I'm just, oh, this is, this is some everyday shit, you know what I'm saying? So the dude takes me, puts me uh, on the trunk. And then he goes in the car, he's searching for shit, blah, 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 flipping shit over. It's my pop's car at the time, like flipping shit over. So my mind, I'm like, damn, what the fuck am I going to tell my pops? He's going through all this shit. He comes out and then he comes and talks to me. He's like, yo, where are you from? Where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling him like, yo, y'all on some bullshit. That's my homie across the street. Like I'm just dropping him off. I'm trying to get home. 
And he's all right, well, we've been hearing stuff about what's going on in the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you look suspicious. So uh, one of the look suspicious. What does suspicious uh, look like, man? Feel me? You feel me? I'm like, yeah, that's my homie across the street right there. And if y'all been watching me this whole time, you would have seen him get out the car and cross. And as soon as he starts to walk away, that's when I start driving. Boom, y'all cut me off. That shit happened to me, man. And at the time, like, I think I was more frustrated at the situation. I didn't think about, like, the bigger picture. Like, like you just said, like, I didn't really think about kind of what my race and me being in my own community, like, how that paints a picture of me already. I was just mad at the situation. Like, man, fucking Chicago police, because they always be on some bullshit. But now that, like, I'm older and I'm thinking about shit like that, like, how many times a day does it happen to people? You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit is sick, bro. That's just fucked up. You know, it's that, uh, up. thank you for telling that story, man. Thank you for keeping it yeah. real. Um, that reminds me, I don't know if you know this, but for me, my, the greatest sitcom of all time is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. I love that show. I've seen every episode, man. I'm like that's, obsessed that's, that's with yeah. the Fresh Prince, man. <laughs> but the reason I loved Fresh Prince is because they weren't scared to bring up topics, you know, certain yeah. topics that made people uncomfortable. And nice. your story you just told me reminded me of an episode where Carlton and Will borrow, On the bed. Yeah, yeah, Uncle, Phil's, borrow yeah. Uncle Phil's partner's car. Because the, yeah. the guy goes, hey, can you drive this car to my hometown? And I'll give you some money for it. Cool. So they get in the, you know, they get in the car and they get pulled over and they get taken to jail. And because they are assumed to have stolen the car because you can't see two black guys in a nice car without thinking right. it's stolen, you know? Right. And, um, and in the episode, obviously, Will, who grew up in Philly in, in the show, you know, he understood what it was. But Carlton was so blind because he grew up in Bel Air and he's never been there. He's never had that happen to him. He's like, oh, they pulled us over because we're going too slow. And right. It's in the end when he's having a conversation with his father, who, who was a lawyer who had to come and prove that these are my kids. And they didn't even believe him until his partner, who was a white man, came and told him, hey, release these guys. I gave him permission to drive my car. You know, yeah. it, it didn't come till the end of that episode where Uncle Phil said, you know, I remember my first time being pulled over because I was black, you know. Yeah. And that's when Carlton realizes what happens. And I, and I think that was such a special moment, man. I was a kid when I watched that shit. And it hit me, you know, I'm not black, man. So I, I bet you it didn't hit me the way you probably hit someone like yourself if you would have watched it. But uh, right. which I'm pretty sure you've seen that episode. Um, man, it had such an impact on me, bro. And that's why I, rest in peace, Uncle Phil, man. You know, oh, rest in peace, big, Uncle Phil, man, for a real. Big role model in, in people, minorities lives, you know, like I can't I can't say just only black people because I felt like that, uh, Uncle Phil was a big part of my life, bro. He, he always kept it real, you know. Uncle Phil was like the, he was kind of like the the model of making it out of a situation and becoming successful. Like, like Uncle Phil, low key, now as you say that, reminds me of Shannon Sharp because Shannon Sharp, yeah, Unc, shout out to Unc, man. If you yeah. can get him on the podcast. Dude, that would be woo! dope, bro. <laughs> shout out to Unc. Um, but him, his story and just like him being a, uh, prominent black man that also lives in Bel Air too. Like I feel like Uncle Phil probably subconsciously like laid out a lot of models for people. You know, like he he might have seemed like a little a little bougie and all that, but in a lot of the episodes, bro, he was a tough guy. Like he was a tough guy because of 
where he came from and like the things he had to go through to become a successful lawyer and to have a mansion in Bel Air, bro. At that yeah. time that the show was airing, you know, like that's, that's some shit. That's and I felt like shit. most of us could relate to Will, you know, being from the city. And yeah, so like sure. back in Bill, when he had a, put his foot down it felt like he was putting his foot down on us too like all right, right. around man get your life cramping together my, cramping my style all right, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> man so yeah man i think it's it's sad i think i can't say i'm one of those where i can't say where all policemen are bad or police women are bad because i i, agree I, with that, I yeah. know so many officers who have been really good to me um i worked at navy pier for four years and we had a lot of cpd officers there and you know there were so many different ones white ones hispanic ones black ones um, but they were all really, really good to me. But there were also some that you can tell were just dicks, man. You know, just yeah. had that attitude where they just want to, they want to fuck around, you know? They want to um, piss you off. Yeah. They want to. They want so, to. Like, like I said, when I got jumped, um, I remember one of the officers uh, that, uh, that was a Navy peer, he knew me and he heard about my case and he like personally took it upon himself. I'm going to help you out. And he found the guy and he helped me out, man. So, like I said, I, I don't think all officers are bad. And he was actually a black cop, you know? So, you know, really good guy. And I just think that once you become a cop, you, you join this, I guess, brotherhood. And right. um, there's a system already in place, you know. And if you see something bad, you might be to the point where you're scared to say something. So you just right. go along with it. And that's, that's the system that we're trying to break right there, you know. That's the culture, bro. It, yeah. It's, 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 it's bad. Like, I, I understand how it probably started. You know, but this is like years and years and years. Like, how cops always be like, yo, if you see some, say something. But they don't do that shit. No, because they're, they're scared. How, yeah, how crazy is that, bro? Like, y'all telling us to, to do all this, but at the same time, it's like, we got to cover up for our guys. But you took the job to protect us, not to protect your guys. You took the job to protect us. We pay you. Know you. you feel me? And, uh, uh, I was having a conversation with someone and I was like, with anything else, bro, I think cops or people that become cops take the job for the paycheck and benefits, not for the service. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's not like you want to be a, a doctor because like you generally care and like you really want to help people and perform surgery and like learn the intricacies of the human body. I feel like a lot of people are taking this job because it's like, maybe a last option and they see all the benefits and fucking shit that comes with it. And then once you get in it and you're put in some real life situations, like you resort back to just being like a, a regular person. Like you just, you want to shoot cause you're scared, but you're a cop. You're not taught to do that. You know? So I think there's like, you're a supposed discord. to be trained. Yeah. You're supposed exactly. to be trained to know how to handle situations. And the problem is you're going to the last resort. Step one. You know, instead of there's right. there's processes that you got to go through before you get to that point. You know, obviously, if someone's shooting at you, you got to shoot back. Right. Right. But if that's not happening, there's no reason for you to have to pull out your weapon and shoot someone. You know, bro, you can shoot someone one time dog, and right. that, and on that, the leg and the leg. You feel me? And that's 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 one thing I really don't understand, too. It's like, you know, I never I never condone the use of of guns to subdue people at all unless like you said somebody's shooting at you like you know as a police officer that's that's i guess part of your your code like you know you have to defend you and whoever else is with you your partner or whatever but like 
people are calling you over domestic disputes, you don't need to shoot anybody. Somebody's running away from you, you don't need to shoot that person. Like, y'all motherfuckers got legs. Like, what's the point of all this, like, training and shit? And, 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 yeah, you know, what's the point the of y'all taking all these fucking tests to become cops and they make y'all do 100 push-ups and shit? Y'all can barely run a block to catch somebody. Like it's 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 never that serious where you have to gun down somebody. You know, Man. so I think yeah, I, I know some people who and I think they truly wanted to make a difference, but I think that just gets lost in yeah once you're actually there and you see that fuck man, they don't let me, you know. I and if I don't do what I'm told to do or if I don't follow the the, the culture, you know, you fear for your life sometimes, you know. So I think that's, that, a, that's a great point, bro. But that's fucked up because yeah. You know, you could be someone who was good and you just became the enemy because you just said, you just accepted to, to do what the institution fucked you up. Like like I said, I don't, I'm not against the, the individual policeman. I'm against the institution, you know, the Mm. the culture, like you said, it teaches you to do this or be afraid of a certain type of race. You know, I think that that's the fucked up part. Right. I agree, man. That's, that's, that's spot on, bro. Spot on. Like the, the instance of uh, Brianna Taylor, man, that, that one was sad because you, you say you have a suspect and you break it to a woman's house, right? A woman's house, she's sleeping. And apparently, one, it's the wrong person, right? Two, you go into the house and you just start shooting, bro. And they go, oh, but the guy, uh, the, the homeowner started shooting. Well, he's the homeowner and you just broke into his house. He thinks someone's going to break right, into his yeah. house. He has right. no idea it's the police. You know, he, they right. haven't done anything. And we have the right to protect ourselves, you know? So even if he had a gun, what did what, you want him to do, you know? Right. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have me and my girl that's asleep. Like, that's... Imagine how traumatic that is, bro. Imagine waking up, into, waking up to that. Just imagine that, bro. Like, people get startled when they hear shit outside the window. So fucking cops kicking your door and... People trying to shoot at you, like, bro, that's... You have no idea what's going on. None. And if, you are, None. if you're a homeowner and you have a gun, I would use it. I don't yes. know what's going on. I don't know who's, who this is. I agree. Um, I agree. Um, and it's sad because all what really happened at the end was they are like, my bad. Right. My bad walked away. Day was over. It took for everyone, literally almost everyone in the country to say her name, to say... We want justice for them to finally even look, start looking into it. Because how, how do you go months without arresting someone, man? Bro, that's, that's, man, bro, that shit is so sad. Like, it's just, it's crazy, man. Just, just think about like you losing, like just getting a phone call being like, yo, your daughter just got killed. And then you find out that it's by police. And then you find out the reason. It's just like, it's so unbelievable. It's so unbelievable. And it, it hurts so bad because I got a sister, you know, and I, I just think like, man, if that was, that was my sister that somebody kicked in the door and started shooting and killed her, my whole family be at that precinct, bro. Because that's, that's like, it's, it's unexplainable. Like, what do you really say to defend yourself? Like, we got to start holding people accountable because... I know the average citizen is held accountable for no matter what you do, bro. You could do the smallest thing, but you're telling me, like you said, you 
you come into my home and you kill me and then it's a my bad situation like you know how much that hurts like it's no explanation for that bro there's there's nothing exactly my bad bro it's sick man it's sick and i'm not even gonna lie to you bro like that shit like man like my soul is heavy thinking about that bro like I can't yeah, even. But I, uh, I also think that's the, you know, it's they're fucked up situations. But I think yeah. we're also in a really, really good point in history right now, you know? Agreed. Because, man, I have seen protests, bro, but I've never seen it so loud as it is, as it is now. It is, yep. it is everywhere. And as much as people want to shut you up, as much as Fox News wants to make it seem like we're the enemies or something, you know? Um, it's also a beautiful thing to see people get together. People from all cultures wanting to see justice, justice for people who were killed, who didn't deserve to die. You know, who, who are we to decide who lives and who dies? You know, that's not up to us. That's not right. up to me, you know, and your job is to arrest. And that's it. Unless you're shooting at you, your job is to arrest. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, dude, I think we're in a really good spot. You know, a, a, Aside from all the, the looting, I think some people take advantage of the situation. You know, I think some people go there with such a great mentality and uh, a mindset that we're going to make a difference. And then there's some people saying, fuck, let's take advantage and go break some shit. Yeah, let's go steal some shit. You know, that's, that's real. Yeah. And that takes away from the message. You know, I think that's what that's what like Fox News wants to see. And that's what they want to show. Try to make it seem like you're the enemy, you know, and. It shouldn't be that way, bro, because obviously there's, there's always going to be a rotten bunch in a group. You put a bunch of people together, like you said, there's always going to be crime. There's always going to be someone who has a dumbass idea and fuck something up, you know? Right. And, and, I agree. That, and the looting was, was that for us and probably, you know, other places. Like I saw California was looting. We were looting a lot, you know, and that fucking sucks because so many people put in such hard work to get these things together. And then you're just putting a bad face, you know? But what was your opinion on the looting? Man, my dude, I uh, I actually had to drive through that shit. Um, the weekend of uh, the murder of George Floyd, like, I remember driving to my mom's house, uh, who still stays on 95th, and I took the streets, because I think, uh, why did I take the streets? I don't know if something was going on here to the expressway, some shit. So um, I took Cottage Grove all the way down. And, bro, when I say, like, that shit was, like, some Grand Theft Auto shit. Like, it was just people all in the street, people, you know, with shopping carts full of shit, people running in and out of stores. Like, it was just mayhem. And then um, having to drive. So I went out there to check on my mom, first and foremost, because I heard, like, her surrounding area, like, that shit was happening. So drove down there, and she was good. But as I'm making my way through, I'm just seeing all this chaos. And at first, I was like, you know, I didn't understand it. I'm like, same as you. Like, yo, this is, like, why the fuck is this happening? Like, why are people looting shit at the Walmart by me where I get my grocery? Fucking people were destroying that shit. And I'm, I didn't understand. But, you know, you have to think about it. Like, looting, like, looting is, is a byproduct of all this shit. Like, all this stuff is connected. And people, people fail to recognize that, like, the, yeah, the murder was probably like the starting gun to get people to want to get out and loot. But just ask yourself the question, why are people looting in the first place? And then look at the communities that are getting looted 
these communities don't have a lot, bro. They right. don't. These communities are underfunded. These communities, I'm sure the the mean or median income isn't that high. Um, a lot of people are struggling in those areas. So yeah, like you give people the impetus to 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 go and and loot, they're gonna do it because motherfuckers don't have a lot, and that's just a fact of the matter. Like yeah, they're not really looting up north because people have it. People on the south side, people on the west side, people on the east side, like. They don't have a lot. Like, and that's the thing that people don't understand. People just think like, oh, you know, why are you guys looting your own communities? Uh, aren't you guys destroying the message? Blah, blah, blah. But all this shit is connected, bro. This is a this is a, a long line of like poverty that's connected to systematic racism, that's connected to the way our com- I mean our country is structured. Like all this shit is like fucking stepping stones you know what i'm saying it's like dominoes like you tip one and all that shit falls down and then motherfuckers are just doing what they can because it's just like yo we we were trying to survive and people fail to recognize that part of it so absolutely man that's actually a great point and and i do see where you're coming from because for example the city puts us all together and they're like okay so we're gonna have the north side we're gonna have all the people over here and we'll give you this little space over here on the south side this is all for y'all you know yeah. But then they don't they don't build big businesses like like the, they like they do on the north side. Right. Let's be real. You know, the, you guys got like mini marts and shit like that. You know, when over here they got fucking Target. I, I don't know. Whole um, Foods. All that, Whole all Foods. That yeah. Trader Joe's. And, yeah. Right. Right. So I definitely see that. Um, I think where it gets sad is where they loot local businesses. You know, like on too, yeah. Yeah, that's where it, you know, it fucks me up, man. Yeah, bro. Yep, because yep. if if you're gonna do it and if you're gonna destroy something, destroy something that has insurance, man. Walmart, Target, you know, big companies like that. They got the Nike, this, the Nike store. This ain't shit to them, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, they, right. They'll put up new windows. They'll get new gear. You know, I was kind of pissed, bro, because I saw a guy running out with a LeBron jersey and I had just bought one. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I just paid a hundred dollars for that shit. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying, bro. But that was sad because I saw a video of this of this gentleman who, uh, older guy, maybe in his sixties, man, and he was just in tears, screaming because he goes, "I understand you're hurt, but you just hurt me, you know. Right. I I came here and I started my own business, and you guys fucked it up, you know. And that's the shit that was so sad to me, man. That 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 got me so sad. I was like, fuck. You know, you know what else? Though? I, I challenge that because uh, the, like you said, the the group that is doing this shit isn't connected to, you know, the people that are really out there no, doing definitely. the groundwork. And that's that's the that's the difference. Like, people are using that shit as an excuse to go ahead and, and loot and damage and do all that shit. And they're taking I just away hate the that. message, man. Yeah, they're not people, there for the real reason. You feel me? And people like to clump those two groups together because they're saying like, like you said, these CNN folks are trying to spread this fear like, oh, Black Lives Matter. This is what they're pushing. We're really like these motherfuckers are not showing up for what we stand for. You know, this is something completely different. That's a whole nother issue. When the protest started here, did you take part? Uh, I went to, did I? No, I did not. But I did a bunch of community cleanups. Um, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, like the Walmart by me, they fucked it up. There's a jewel on Stony Island that got fucked up and I was out there helping clean and stuff. 
Um, I didn't partake in the first wave of marches because of the COVID shit. I was like, nah, nah. I was actually going to ask that. Like, that yeah. probably has another thing that yeah. was kind of scary because we're also not living in time of protests, but we're living it during a pandemic, man. And that's what I'm so saying. Like, right, right. Do you want to get like, out yeah. there and risk your health? I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself out there. But once the, um, uh, once things started to die down a little bit and things got a little more calm and, um, I definitely try to play my role. Like my homie, shout out to my homie Bethel. Um, she was able to do a, a fundraiser for this, uh, community center on the South side in the Pullman area where basically like people pitched in money and, uh, she was able to grab supplies and we went out there to kind of, uh, pass it out to people. And, uh, she was even able to get a, a mattress for somebody, you know what I'm saying? Because those areas, like those senior citizens depend on a lot of those stores to get their things and a lot of those businesses got destroyed. So like doing little projects like that, but like the first wave of like marches and shit, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of. Yeah. The, uh, the day after the first looting took place in downtown, my dad works in downtown and uh, his building where he works got like totaled, man. And so my dad's in maintenance. Yeah. So he was responsible for to clean it up, you know? So I went with them. Long hours, I yeah. already know. I Shout out to pops, man. Shout, Shout out, out to pops. pops. Yeah. I went with them um, to see, you know, just to help out. Um, because it's not about a paycheck or nothing. It's just, all right, well, it's time to rebuild, you know? So you go there, clean up. But it, it was crazy, man. I, I was standing. I felt like I was in a Batman movie, you know? Uh, Facts. Those, yeah, uh, I went through downtown, ones. bro. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, bro. It was crazy. So, yeah, dude, there's so many protests going on, and I think it's a big moment in sports, too. And like I said, man, we, we had this conversation two years ago, and at the time we were talking specifically about Colin Kaepernick because he had just started doing his kneeling. And, yep. um, you know, also, you know, heavy hitters, you know, people who paved the way, just like uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Mahmoud abdul Rauf, you know, yep. like guys like that who, who risked it all. And now we're in a point where the entire NBA did it, man, not just one athlete. Shout out to my league, man. Shout out to my league, teams, man. bro. Shout out to my league, man. Shout out to my boys, man. That was incredible, bro. And okay. before we really get into it, I just want to say the Toronto Raptors were really big on starting this, man. You know, I, and I know what Milwaukee did was great, and they did, and they deserve all the props in the world. But I feel like the Toronto Raptors were the team to get this thing going. Like, they drove yeah. – they pulled up to the bubble. The bus, yeah. Uh, yeah. Black Lives yeah. Matter bus, right? They had just had that instance with uh, Masai Jury, right? Like, he just had his situation, which if you've seen the video, that's I did. fucked up, man. That's fucked up. You, what, you did or you did it? I did. I did. I did. That's you, got, you got shoved, bro. That, that was crazy. For that, for that cop to say that he's been lying, oh, my God, bro. For the cop to say that he had – I think he even said he had injuries. Yeah, yeah, he's been like on paid leave. Yeah, dude, built like a fucking linebacker, bro. He was just and, walking up, showing his badge, trying to celebrate that his team just won the NBA championship, man. And the cop would not let him through and shoved him twice. And you the, know, and Masai walked up in the calmest demeanor Seriously. ever, bro. And you know, Masai is in a in a situation where he can actually you know fight this, and he has all the yep. the resources in the world to. To find the truth, you know? So imagine all the people who don't, man. So exactly. that's the second instance. And then when the Toronto Raptors got there, man, um, the Jacob Blake in, uh, situation had just happened. And I, I remember hearing Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Bleet talk about it. And they were just like, this is bullshit. 
You know, yeah. we came here saying we'll do this if we can spread our message, but it's still happening. This is bullshit. So they started talking to the Boston Celtics, you know, shout out Jalen Brown, who's been a big part of this. Um, shout out to JB. Saying, yeah. hey, I know we're about to go battle, you know, but let's put that aside for a second. We should cancel our game. They started the conversation, right? But Milwaukee had a game first, and this just happened in Milwaukee. So it was personal to them too, you know? It's like, mm. it's personal. So that moment where Milwaukee was going to play Orlando in game five, I think, game four, game five. Um, game five, yep. And the, the shot clock went to zero and no one came out. I was like, I remember just thinking, damn, this is a moment in history right here, bro. Right. This is history. It gave me chills, bro, because they never came out. And then uh, Orlando went back to the locker room, you know, and technically when you like forfeit a game, they get the win. But they said, we don't want to win. You know, we're going to we're going to win. We're going to win. Right. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose. Right. And um, so shout out Orlando. And they went back to the locker room and you saw George Hill. Uh, come out, give a message with uh, Sterling Brown, who also was a victim of police, through, yeah, yeah. Yeah. police brutality. And and it was powerful, man. And then every NBA team followed suit. We're not playing. We're not playing. We're not playing. What was your reaction when you saw that happening in the NBA? Well, actually, I want to I ask you a question, man, about this. Um, do you think uh, – okay, so once that happened, you know, obviously they were kind of like – LeBron being like the senior citizen of the league was like, you know, we need more tan. Like what you guys did was great, but we need to follow this with tangible action. So him, or I guess the Lakers organization and the Clippers organization were kind of like, you know, we're not, we're just going to stop playing. Right. So I guess my question, right, right. Which I, which I thought, even though I'm, I'm selfish as hell, like, not having basketball for four months, bro, that shit killed me. Because, you know, I, I love the game, bro. I love everything about the game. So, at first, like, I was kind of like, damn, like, you know, we already just came back and now it's gone. But, okay, I guess my question to you is, do you think that they should have stuck with that whole kind of let's shut the NBA down? Or do you think it's – because I feel like it kind of dilutes the the message. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to stop playing, we're going to stop playing. We just have to be one and just say, fuck it. And I understand people are saying, like, oh, you know, for players that have been in the league for X amount of years that have these lucrative paydays and shit like that, this ain't nothing to you. But for the younger guys that are playing for their checks, you know what I'm saying, they need it. So what, what do you think about I I see it two ways, situation? man. Like you said, I, I'm selfish as hell too, bro. I, I want to see the Lakers, bro. Like – yeah. When this whole season started, dude, I was – when we got Anthony Davis, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is ours, you know. And then, you know, the Clippers got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and I was like, okay, it's going to be a battle. And then the whole uh, dynamic duel started happening all throughout the league. I'm like, this is going to be a dope-ass yeah. season, you know. Yeah. I'm just waiting until the Splash Brothers come back and Brooklyn with uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. It's just going to be great, hey, man, you yeah. know. So I was really excited. And then this whole pandemic happened, and, and it can't – well, it said – NBA postponed or canceled or something. And I was shocked. I was like, damn, I've never seen that happen before, you know? Right. And so I didn't know if we were going to get it back. And then when it came back, I was so excited, you know? I felt like we were in such a good tra- trajectory that we're going to win the championship. So I want to see that play out. And But when they decided to go back, they also said, you know, we'll decide to come back if things start changing, you know? you right. If the owners take initiatives, because the owners are the ones with the resources, man. They're the ones That's who talk about like governors, mayors, you know, they're – billionaires man to own a basketball team billionaires and they they can make real change you know and so when they went back and 
they all started sitting again. I did like what LeBron did or said because it, it's 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 a good point. You know, we can stop playing right here, but if we start playing again tomorrow, what did we really say? You know, um, shout out to Kyrie by the way. Kyrie, yeah, they're all they. Yeah. They they murdered that boy on social media for yeah, for saying what he yeah, said, yeah. and then fast forward to now, and it's like he wasn't that crazy, you know? Like makes sense, yeah. yeah. Kyrie, man, uh, much respect, bro. Sorry that they did you like that, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So when it happened, and I saw that the Lakers and the Clippers were the only two teams who said let's just stop altogether, I was like, damn, that's respect because they both know they have an opportunity right now to win. They and both be- know it. And to be fair, those two teams have the biggest stars. Like, out of any team in that bubble, like LeBron and Kawhi are, like, those are the two guys. Like right That's what everyone wants to see. Right. Like, we want to see them go one-on-one. And, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to see that. So, for them to kind of – shout out to Doc Rivers, too. For them to kind of put that – just, like, the, the history – like, that's so major, bro. That's, yeah. like – it's like the Yankees and the fucking Red Sox being like, yo, fuck it, we're not going to play. Like, that shit is super major, so shout yeah. out to them. Because, yeah, if you know basketball, man, everyone knew that it was the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks. But you know, the way Bucks are looking right now. <laughs> shout out Jimmy Butler, bro. I'm sorry Chicago got rid of you, bro. I'm sorry. I'm still salty. Um, we miss you, Jimbo. We miss you, man. But, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone wants to see that. And it's for the two L.A. teams that everyone thinks can win a championship to say, we're going to waste our year. We'll, we'll, we'll be willing to get rid of the year and try again next year. That was powerful, man. That was powerful. And, I, and when it happened, the way I looked at it was like, this is bigger than basketball. You know, yeah. I can't be selfish. It's bigger than right. basketball. That's, you know? that's what I have to tell myself, too. So yep. it's, it's not about me. It's not about the fans. It's about, you know, what the country needs right now. And to take power back, to be like, okay, you, you just only want us here for entertainment, but we're here to spread a message. Um, right. And I think, I mean, obviously they went back to playing. I think the things that they're doing is awesome. I feel like all all these stadiums are now turning into polling places. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah so the yeah, Lakers, Staples Center, yeah. you know, um, Chase Center, pretty much all of them. They have been opened up. You know, those are things that the players asked for and the owners are willing to do. So I think, I just think we're in a good spot, man. I think we're finally, we're being listened to, you know. Also, uh, shout out Michael Jordan for being that liaison between players and owners because Michael Jordan was a yeah. player. And now he's an owner. So he's yeah. that one guy who has that connection between the two worlds. Um, yeah, dude, I, I think it was a, a special moment. And I think, obviously, I still want to see them play. But uh, if they ever get back to the point where they say, you know, the owners are, aren't sticking to their word and we have to cancel, then fuck it, let's cancel, you know? Fuck it's, it, throw the whole season away, bro. Right. It's like, about the message. Basketball will always be here. Like, basketball, basketball ain't going nowhere. Like, if, if anything, this is probably the – this, like, new generation of players, the Lucas, the fucking D-Bucks, like, Jason Tatums and Jalen Brown, like, the league is in great hands. So, if we had to push it on pause to address, like, the, the league is predominantly black. How could you expect this to not stop? Right. To not, to not shut everything down. Like, it's people that, it's people, and, and the thing is, too, like, the the players come from those communities that are affected the most. Like these players aren't coming from fucking the birds and, and, and making it to the league. A lot of these players are coming from the inner cities, you know what I'm saying? And have family that have been through shit or relatives and, 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 and they themselves have been through like even LeBron, 
LeBron getting in the South uh, spray painted the N word. You know what I'm saying? In a, in a LeBron, bro, I think know, about man. that. LeBron James, like they, that. they they hate on LeBron so much, man, because he he's such a different type of player. And we literally had this conversation two years ago. I got the audio, bro. I might play a clip, Word. but uh, <laughs> LeBron is that guy who was never scared to say something. You know, right. two years ago I said Michael Jordan was the goat, and he, I still believe Michael Jordan is the goat. But right when it comes to social justice, I think it's LeBron James, man, because he was he's never been scared to say something, you know, never. and all the all the things he's doing, like more than a vote right now. That's huge. You know, trying to get people to vote. Um, if you're listening to this, go out and vote November 3rd. You know, um, where's yes, it? Sir. November 3rd. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go out there and vote. And I think it's very important that now we only we only not vote for like big things like president. But we got to vote for our governors, our mayors, our representatives, man, because oh, that's locally. that's where where things change, you know, you think, oh, just because you vote Democrat in the presidential election, everything changes or, you know, you vote Republican, everything changes. No, you have to vote within your communities or nothing's going to change. You know, those we also, we got to do. I think, I think we also need to educate people about how voting locally can affect them locally. You know, I think that's the big disconnect. A lot of people only see like, the president and then they see themselves and there's such like a big gap in between that you really don't know like because i know for a long time i had that feeling too like the fuck am i voting for like what is he gonna do for me you know what i'm saying so i think as a country we have to do a better job and even state-wise like we have to do a better job educating people on how like yo voting for your alderman how that can even affect fucking like bus routes for you you know what i'm saying like little shit like that so all important, all connected. Yeah, man, I think that's, uh, I can relate because when I used to vote, like I still vote, but I don't take the time to look at every alderman and stuff like that. You know, you don't take the right, time to do right. the research and see what they're actually about. You just see a name or like, I guess that one, you know. You think those people are annoying, like the people handing you pamphlets and shit like, yeah, right. right. So uh, I definitely think, you know, speaking for myself, I need to do better and we can all do better. And that's I the way too. we start changing, man. Um, I guess that leads me to that to that question. What does America need right now, Peter? Man, um, that's a tough question. I think America needs honesty and transparency. I think, I think for a long time, even in school, like we're taught this version of America where like we're the all powerful, like all-powerful country like there's no blemish in our country like we don't have demons where you know any type of flaw that's in our history has kind of been put aside and we really need to be honest with people at an early age like i know you probably know and i know definitely for me like and i I think i've seen a tweet about this like i remember being in history class and going through books and the fucking MLK section was like, there was civil rights movement was three, four pages in this big ass book, like book thick as shit, bro. But that for like four pages, is like the civil rights movement. They don't address, they don't address slavery. They don't address, uh, well, in depth at least, they don't address slavery. They don't address uh, Jim Crow, uh, the civil rights movement as in depth as they do like the u.s getting uh independence from great britain that's like damn near the bulk of the book but like our present country like we don't educate people about that stuff so you can't 
you can't expect for everybody to be like, oh man, um, you know, like people to accept that uh, slavery is a part of our history. I know a lot of people that act like that shit just like, oh, get over it. Like, nah, it's not that easy, bro. Like, it's like putting a fucking, it's, it's like, okay, expecting a white person and a black person who, who uh, to run a race together. And you put a fucking a shackle on the black person and you expect for both of them to do a 100 yard dash and both of them to make it there at the same time. But you don't account for poverty. You don't account for Jim Crow. You don't account for drugs pumped in our community. You don't account for mass incarceration. Who, can, who, else, who else can you say that about? You can't say that about white people. I can't say that about Asian people. Like, it's like we're systematically attacked, you know, even through media, like even in media and songs about black people early on, like America just needs to be transparent, man. And that's the thing. People, people don't want to acknowledge that because they know if they do, should it get real? And the playing well, field would Own up to your mistakes, man. The playing field would get even once people started recognizing, like, damn, like, you know, the way we've been treating black people in this country for, for 400 plus years is sick, bro. It's disgusting. Like, it's, 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 it's inhumane, honestly. Like, nobody should be treated like that. So I think we need transparency and honesty and just a lot of fucking small changes. Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you, man. That's, that's very powerful what you just said. I hope everyone who's listening, you know, took that to heart and really stopped to think about everything that we've been discussing so far. Yeah, man, it's just owning up to your mistakes and knowing that, okay, we need to do better because like you said, you know, the book is all about, and we got our independence, but it doesn't mention that only some people in the country were free. You know, you feel me? Talk about it. It makes it sound like everyone was free. Not everyone's free. There's no freedom here. Everyone's got to pay their dues. Some people just got to pay a higher price, man. Uh, were you even able the, to vote after that shit? No. Right. right. You know what I'm sad, saying? Man, like, man. But they, they want us to, I don't know how it is now because I haven't been in CPS since in a long time. But when I was in CPS, they made us stand up to do the Pledge of Allegiance, man. Don't you oh, remember yeah, that? Should, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, we both went to CPS. I, you'd have to stand up, put your hand over your heart and do the Pledge of Allegiance. And you decided, and yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it now, it's like, why did I have to do that? You know, you didn't even give me the option to see if I wanted to do that. You know? Right. Um, because... As much as some people are like, oh, you're disrespecting the flag. A flag is a piece of fabric, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a fa- piece of fabric. And I don't think that you should stand for something that you don't believe in. And if you, if you read the whole Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem, you know, and Justice for All, we're not seeing justice for all. Because if it's all about the meaning, then let the meaning be 100% correct. And it is not at this time. I agree. And if people, if people want to kneel, like, and that's, that's what I don't, or I didn't understand, like, when Colin wanted to kneel, like, that doesn't make him unpatriotic at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's playing football. Like, that's one of – that's so big in American culture. Like, he's not being unpatriotic, but he's trying to get a signal across. And now that it's happening over and over and more people are kneeling, now everybody's like, ah, now we see what the fuck is going on. When We've been trying to tell you guys. So, like, you can't – you can't judge someone's patriotism on how they choose to represent themselves. You know, we have people from all different backgrounds. Shit, if 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 a Muslim doesn't want to fucking pray during uh, or say our father during a Christian mass, can you fault him? No, this is a melting pot. If Colin Kaepernick wants to kneel 
to speak out against police brutality during the national anthem, why kill him for that? That's showing that, you know, um, he's in solidarity with people that have lost their lives or who've been negatively affected by our country. So, yeah, um, I almost forgot about this. You were just at the March on Washington, dude. Yes, I was. Yep. Dude, I need you to tell us what that was like. My homeboy Punchy, man. Shout out to Punch. Uh, my homie is a photographer, and uh, he actually got me hip to the whole event. Or he was the most adamant about going. Like, he was super like, yo, we should go. And I'm never afraid to go to any type of, like, protest or march or anything like that. Like, Laquan McDonald, when that shit happened, um, I was out there. And um, uh, when Trayvon shit happened and we were marching in the city, I was out there. And just reading up on the history of uh, the March on Washington, I was like, yo, this is something that, you know, I, I have to go to. Like, this shit's important, bro. And, again, shout out to my boy Punch, man. Uh, we went out there. And, bro, like, the turnout was crazy, like, crazy. Like, it, it was so beautiful to see. But then, like, once the speeches started, it was also heartbreaking because, like, Jacob Blake's dad was there. Oh he gave us, bro, he gave a speech. Uh, Breonna Taylor's, uh, I believe, mother was there she gave a speech um there was also a young man that i think was killed and i'm sorry if i'm wrong but i want to say in milwaukee i might be wrong but his dad was hispanic because he came out there to talk and just hearing these stories of these 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 families bro nobody was able to finish the speech nobody i think al sharpton was the only one that like once it got to like the nitty gritty of like the, the family talking, he was the only person that was able to like get complete thoughts out. Every parent that got up there or every family member broke down, bro. Everyone. You can't blame that, them. Bro, that shit hit me, bro. It hit me different because it's like, just imagine like you, you, have a, you have a brother, right? Yeah. So imagine, imagine your brother getting killed. You go out to Washington and you just see all these people, bro. Just everybody, like people like say her name and people just, bro, that shit was crazy, man. And that, that shit, it's hard to put into words, but you just feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, like emotional right now, bro. Cause I just, I remember just, just that moment just being like, yo, if, if my sister died and I was up there and I just see all this support, because imagine you could lose your brother and your your brother could just be like another case in a fucking file cabinet. You know, so to see all that support and to know people are with you and people are trying to fight with you, bro, was honestly, man, all my years of living, bro, probably like top, top three most powerful moments for me for sure. That sounds so incredible, man. That that sounds it was beautiful, bro. It was it was beautiful. Oof, that sounds so powerful, dude. Yeah, it should shake you up. It shake up your spirit, bro, for sure. That for shit, sure. That's yeah, real shit. All I can say, Pete, man, is at the end of the day, you're gonna be on the right side of history, man. And I salute you yeah. for that. You're gonna be appreciate on the right that, side of history. Appreciate you know, you that. Keep doing what you're doing, man, because I think it's very very powerful, especially for the youth, bro. I think yeah. that's where we, we a lot of people got to focus on, the, you know, the next generation going up. You coming on the show, talking about these things, man, I thought it super powerful. And I want to thank you for taking the time to, to do it. And I think you continue to do, man, to continue to do it. Keep spreading your message. Keep spreading 
you know, the message about justice, you know, we'll, we'll do that on our side here too. And, you know, I'm here for you, dog. Um, Appreciate that, brother. Of course. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, man. You know, keep impacting the youth, bro. Positive, we want positive future. Of course. We're, we're getting old now, man. It's our job. Right. It's our job now. Learn bro. through our mistakes, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I promise you we've made plenty. Yeah, don't 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 be afraid to go to community school. Don't forget about that. Right, right. That's definitely. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap it up, I just I just want to bring something up. Um, you and I, I was listening to our original podcast, and there was a moment, and I think I'll probably clip it and play it here. I want to shout out to Kobe Bryant, man. Kobe Bean Bryant. He won an Academy Award. He won an Oscar for Best Animated Short, Dear Basketball. So if you're gonna tell me that all they're there for is to play a sport. You're wrong. This man just won an Oscar. A five-time NBA champion just won an Oscar. If Kobe's legend wasn't already great, now it's just like... Cemented. Yeah, he's just like on a different planet now. Mike never even did that, you know? Like, shout out to Kobe, man. Kobe You're Bean. every kid's... And it's crazy, like, kids are going to grow up not knowing who Kobe is. Kobe Bean, greatest of all time. That's my favorite player of all time, so... Um, we're discussing Kobe Bryant, man. And uh, uh, you uh, and I, two years ago, we're talking Kobe and we called him the GOAT, our version of the GOAT. Like, yes, we know Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time, but, you know, we grew up watching Kobe, dog. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Peter's holding up a post, uh, poster of Kobe, photos of Kobe. Damn. My God, bro. My God, dog. I got the Bible right here. I got, I got that same one. I got that same one. Come on, sir. man. Kobe yep. was yep. legendary. And I think yep. that's something that we we uh related to when we talked. We always talked to Kobe, man. I was a huge Lakers fan. And I know you you have the you had a ton of Lakers stuff, bro. Yeah. Like you, you you fuck with Kobe. And we talked oh, for God. a little bit. And um man, I remember the day he died, dude. I was I cried, man. I cried. I, I didn't believe it. I like, I got home after I heard the news, right? I got home, and it, it felt like a family member died because all I saw oh, was really? my mom. And the second I saw my mom, dude, I started crying. Yeah. Uh, it's just like that comfortability with your mother, I guess. And you're just like. Vulnerability, yeah. yeah. yeah I started yeah, crying yeah. like if I knew, man. I felt like I knew him. And Kobe was a huge inspiration to me. And uh, I, know, I know you loved him, too. I just want to know how you felt when you heard the, heard the news and how you feel now about him and his legacy. Man, bro, we were us. Kobe was everything. Like the reason I started playing basketball is because of Kobe Bryant. No cap. Like just, just, and I always say this. I always say this. In my whole life, there's never been somebody that has touched a basketball, and you just get excited every time. Like it. I never had that feeling for anybody that played basketball before. Kobe could shoot that shit from half court, and I think it was going in because because he, he thought big, he was going in. You feel me? And it, it it was some type of like empowerment shit. Like it was just like in in my mind, like he couldn't do any wrong. Like he was flawless to me, man. And just watching him play, and like you said, it was like a family member. Like my whole basketball love and identity was that guy you know like that's where it started for me so it was like uh it was just everything bro when I found that out that day bro I was I was sick bro I'm still I, 
I haven't even accepted it, bro. Like it's it's weird to me. It's weird. It's weird. I know uh Woj. Woj had a funny uh post I think on Instagram talking about uh Oh if he was in the bubble? Bubble, yeah, like this would be his type of environment. Like, you know, it's just basketball twenty four seven. And I think um just the thing for Kobe with me is like just staying persistent. Like staying persistent. Like I never remember satisfying. Never. I remember the year he lost to Boston and how devastating that was, bro. Like how, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you know, Paul Pierce and them and KG, they going to talk shit. When yeah. they talk and shit. He really wanted his first without Shaq. You know what I'm saying? So to lose, I think they lost in six or five. Yeah. No, six. And six. they got blown out in game six. Okay. So they, they get wiped out and just him, uh, confetti coming down and shit and his head hanging and him walking out. Right. And then the next year, it was just like, this dude was just like a fucking demon, bro. Like, it's just like, you couldn't, you couldn't phase him. And just that level of, of, of like holding yourself accountable and being responsible and taking that pain and just turning it into, into gold. I think that's what Kobe always meant for me. You know what I'm saying? Just like, yo, you can always be at your lowest. Like you could be down but you always have time to put in the work to get to where you want to be. And he's like the fucking embodiment of that. So I love Kobe, bro. Rest in peace. Rest, rest in peace, peace, Bean. Rest in peace, Bean. Rest in peace, Gigi. Everyone who lost their life rest in that peace, horrific Gigi accident. Well. Yep. And I think that's, that, that's what hurt me so much more, dude, that his daughter died with him. And, and bro, just thinking I about that moment that. where the helicopter falls, man, I just can't imagine what that would be like. And, and she had so much potential, man, to be so yeah. good because she loved to play basketball, man. She had so right. much potential, and it's so sad that it got taken away. Um, yeah, so rest in peace. Uh, I really enjoyed what Kobe did outside of basketball as well after his career ended. You know, he won an Oscar. He started writing books. He started writing. Uh, he had a, a show on ESPN Plus called Detail. It, it was just incredible, all the different things he was doing, the different ventures. And that brings me back to when we we're talking about Shut Up and Dribble. I made a comment saying that just because you did one thing, doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to do the rest of your life you know like right. we went to school for engineering bro but i don't know about you but i don't want to be in you know just an engineer and only talk about engineering i want to feel like i could talk about anything i want to be right. a podcast host you know want to do stand-up comedy at some point i want to do so many different things that doesn't mean that i should only be doing one thing and i think that's what kobe embodied for me he taught me that i can do it all it don't matter what you specialized in you can do right. it all right right all right, Peter, man. Thanks for joining us, bro. I, I, I like Thank I said, you, you, you brought some good, you, good, uh, good insight. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Shout, shout out, out to my boy on this podcast, man. Shout out to my boy. Yeah, yeah. Keep listening, guys. We got a lot of good guests coming up. So, Peter, where can people reach you, man? Where's uh, shout out your Instagram, your Twitter, whatever you got. Yeah, on Instagram, you can follow me at LakeshoreFly23. And I think on Twitter, it's the same handle, at LakeshoreFly23. So, still the yep. best handle since I met him, bro. He's still a LakeshoreFly, bro. Why the fuck did I think of that? Yeah. All I got is my name, Chino. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us, brother. Uh, of course. Hope to, uh, you know, get together soon. All right? Take it easy. One Peace. love.